When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Game Over, everyone. I'm Peter Klein from Game Over Calgary. She is Samantha Chang from Game Over Vancouver. And this was a wildly entertaining hockey game, especially the, the last few minutes. So looking forward to breaking it down with all of you. Uh, the, the chat is already going. So I think we're going to have uh, a fun one here today in the first game of the Nikita Zadorov era out in Vancouver. And uh, Sam, I, I think we should probably start there. First of all, uh, I'm being very rude. How are you this evening? I'm pretty good, Peter. How about you? I'm doing all right. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people here, um, as we'll, we'll probably get to throughout the show, um, are kind of looking for a bit of a, a rebuild out in Calgary. And I think these are the types of games that make rebuilds fun. You, you hung in there, some young players stepped up, and you lost in regulation. So uh, it, it's it, it's all gravy here uh, this evening. But um, for the, the, the newest Canuck, Nikita Zadorov, um, you now have 60 full minutes of NHL experience of being a Nikita Zadorov uh, fan. How, uh, how do you think he handled things this evening? Uh, you know, scoring the game winner is a pretty good way to start. Scoring <laughs> the game winner against your former team in the first in your first game for your new team, pretty good. Uh, I thought otherwise overall up until that point, I thought he was good. I didn't particularly stand out, didn't have a ton of ice time, but I, I thought he was, I thought it was a good start. Yeah, and I think there are, because I've been a bit more critical of Zadorov here than um, others have been. Um, and I, I think a game where you don't notice Zadorov is a really, really nice thing. Yeah. Because uh, there are times where you can notice him for for horrible reasons. And so, I, sorry, go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, I actually, I tend to agree with your analysis of Zadorov like I I like him I think he's super fun to watch but part of that is the chaos um, <laughs> yeah. watched him watched him play in Colorado a lot so I I'm I'm with you I understand the critiques and this for him not noticing him is actually a better game but putting in with Tyler Myers is just a nice calming influence that'll just make everything fine um I I thought that was like that that's pardon the pun here, given the the team that I, I uh, cover. But that was playing with fire. I, I think a little bit yeah. putting him with, with Tyler Myers. That was not a move I was anticipating. I I mean like Tyler Myers' nickname here is already the Chaos Giraffe. Adding <laughs> adding Zadorov to that is it, it was an interesting uh, interesting decision. I think my immediate reaction upon seeing that was you can't be serious. But here we are. I laughed out loud, like actually 
cackled like a crazy person alone in my home when I, I saw that that was the, the the pairing that they were rolling out with. Um, but again, like it, it pays off that they end up, I mean, they were out there with the net empty. So there was obviously some trust built in there with, with how Zadorov and Myers were, were doing things. And then he gets the, the empty net winner because of course he does. Um, but I, I thought what, while the night ended with, with him playing well, I thought the night kind of began with uh, a really good start from Quinn Hughes. And I get this is for the Vancouver portion of the audience. This is kind of broken record, but um, I believe the, the 59th best player in the National Hockey League stepped up in a, a big time way to start this game. <laughs> you guys are familiar with it. We're getting a bit of a taste of it out in Calgary, having played you guys a couple of times now. Um, I don't even know if I have a question here. Just kind of gloat about Quinn Hughes for the next couple of minutes. Oh, very happy to do so. I mean, <laughs> the guys just had an unbelievable season so far. Um, I think a lot of... I had some concerns when he was named captain mostly because it's a lot of pressure on a guy who is still pretty young um and sometimes you worry that that kind of pressure can you know it, it's maybe too much for his game and he's really just stepped up to the challenge he's had an outstanding season um I think really making a case for for the Norris I know some people on the east coast might scoff at that but I've had a couple of uh a couple of PWHL people with voting power telling me that he's maybe their early, early front runner candidate for the Norris. Um, and I, you know, maybe it's a little bit of homerism. I like to think I'm not really a homer. I've spent the last 10 years criticizing this franchise every single day. Um, he's been the one bright spot. And I think, I, I think he deserves to be in the conversation and you can, you can tell me as a flames fan, what, what your thoughts on him have been so far this season. Yeah. I, I think the conversation starts with him personally. I, I think that the way he's elevated things, like it's already nine goals this season, which is a career high for him in 25 games, which is hilarious. Um, but it, it's just like, as this Canuck team has started to finally hit their stride, it, it's been him kind of leading it, him and Pedersen, obviously. But I, I understand the defensive side of things is not necessarily where he shines, but the, the skating ability offensively, what, what he's able to do, quarterbacking the power play, like blah, 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 all of the amazing things that he does. Um, like he, he has been everything you could ask from him so far. And I think he deserves to be in the conversation among the best defensemen in the NHL. And I just, I... I haven't seen a defenseman play better than him um, this season. I, I just, and I feel like that has to matter a little bit. I get defensively whatever, but he has been, like, he's just, he's been the best defenseman. So he should win the award for best defenseman, in my opinion. I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, it's not something that we've been able to say about the Canucks in the last four or five years. Um, the defense has regularly been the weakest part of an overall weak lineup. And this is probably the first season in a long time where they have four actual top four defensemen. Quinn Hughes has an actual partner he can play with. And, you know, there's enough competition in the bottom, in the bottom pairings that they're serviceable. This is, this is a roster that actually knows how to play defensively. There are still nights where they're hanging Thatcher Demko out to dry, but he doesn't have to be a superstar every night. Like, you know, he was, he was good tonight, but he didn't have to stand on his head. No. Yeah. And when he's needed to, he has. Um, and I think part of it too, and this is, again, I'm, I'm watching from a distance here, not quite as intently as you guys are, but it feels like they finally found a partner for him now. 
And that trade was one that was criticized um, heavily, um, certainly by um, the person sitting behind this microphone. That that was I, I didn't understand that move at all. But it really like not to, to bring it all to a, a Calgary thing, but kind of felt like since Tanev made his way out here, you guys have been looking for a, a partner for Hughes and that pairing tonight was really frustrating to play against. So it seems yeah. like they found something. Yeah, I mean look, the person he played the most with over the last couple of years was Luke Shen. Mm. And, you know, it's, he, he was good. You know, he, a lot of people like Luke Shen, but he doesn't have the skill set of Fronek. And I thought they were fantastic tonight. And Fronek with two points tonight. Yeah. Yeah. That, that pairing was, was really good for, for Vancouver. Um, On the Calgary side, it was funny. Millen, who's kind of been the, the, the fill in color commentator for the flames with, with Kelly Rudy recovering from surgery. Um, he, he said, well, the flames power play has looked better. And then like they, they kind of did him dirty. Cause a few minutes later they flashed up over 15 in the last six games. It's like, it has been better. And I thought tonight it was actually a, a strength of the, this Calgary team and kind of kept them in it. Cause five and five, I thought, um, and like, feel free to disagree with me, but I thought Calgary was getting their heads caved in by Vancouver for a lot of the night. And the power play, which is a weird thing, kind of saved Calgary in this game and kept them in it a, a lot of the way. I thought finally the Flames power play actually looked dangerous tonight. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think those were kind of the moments where it was a bit more even, um, but otherwise I, I'm with you. I thought the Canucks were outstanding tonight. I It's not something that... I'm used to seeing and still every time I see it this season, it's a bit of a surprise. Um, and I thought the other, the other piece that kind of kept Calgary in it or as much as they were in, it was Jacob Markstrom. I thought had a, had a good game. Yeah. I thought he was really good. And I, I like it when he can perform on a, a national stage like this. I get it's the late game and everyone out East is asleep, but um, you, you see the five on five numbers and the flames are not doing phenomenally, but he has been such a bright spot for this team this year. And so for, for him to be able to, to perform like that, you can see he's got his edge back where he's hacking at Pedersen a little bit um, in the crease and stuff like that. Like it, it feels like he has kind of got his, his mojo back a little bit and while expectations are not high out here in Calgary, if they're going to do anything, he has to be that guy, right? Yeah, and it's, you know, it's it's a bit of a, it's a weird situation. I have a huge soft spot for Jacob Markstrom. Obviously, he was a big part of Canucks for a long time, and it was, it's tough seeing him struggle. Like, the last couple of seasons, it's been, it's been rough watching that. Um, but, you know, obviously, as a divisional rival, we're happy to see it. <laughs> uh, so it's a bit, it's a bit of an odd situation. I'm always happy when he does well. Um, from uh, afar, what, what have you made of the, the Calgary situation? Um, I know like Vancouver, Calgary has been stuck in, well, we should rebuild. Well, we're not going to rebuild. And the only people who say they shouldn't rebuild are the ones who own the team and they have a bit of say in things. Um, so, uh, our plight is something that you are very familiar with. Uh, well, what have yeah. you made from, um, from out West looking at what Calgary's going through right now? I mean, I, I really sympathize, right? It's, it's not a fun position to be in, especially for a team who I think even just a couple of seasons ago looked like they should be doing a lot better than they are. Um, I think at the start of last season, I said on a different show that I thought with adding Kadri that they could generate some some real chemistry with that lineup. And it just really hasn't panned out at all. And it's it, it's a tough spot to be in where you're you're good enough that everyone thinks you should compete, but you're not actually good enough to really compete. And you're just stuck. You're stuck in the mushy middle. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of laughed when you with your intro tonight when you said it was it's the kind of perfect game tonight for a rebuilding team. This was the type of game I wanted the Canucks to play every every game last <laughs> season, right? Like right. I wanted them to 
I ultimately wanted them to lose because I wanted Connor Bedard. I did not want them to be so terrible that they were unwatchable, which is what they were for most of the season. This this is the kind of game where it's like, you know what the payoff is. You want to get a high draft pick. You play an entertaining game. It's fun. It's messy. And you lose. Yeah. Yes. And, just check, check, check. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's the type of losing that you can swallow. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what I, that's, that's been my view of it. I, I hope for your sake, you get a, you get a lot of those games and get a nice <laughs> high draft pick there. I, I am always a fan of rebuilding. Yeah. And from the flames, like last season was the perfect summary of basically my entire life with the exception of 2004 and a couple of blips in there, they missed the playoffs. So it's like, okay, missed the playoffs in the year of, of Connor Bedard. Uh, but they were the one team that based on how the lottery works, that they didn't have any ping pong balls in yeah. the thing. It is, it, it was the worst so, case scenario, right? It was so quintessential Calgary where it's like, ah, just missed. Uh, but Hey, at least we were boring. Uh, I'm sure you've heard me say this for not this year, but the three previous seasons, every time someone asked me to describe the Canucks, I said they were basically the Jay Feaster Flames. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and like th there would be a lot of, uh, as I'm sure you are aware, a lot of making fun of what was going on in Vancouver. But I, I always thought like Vancouver, the rebuilding part wasn't like, obviously it would have been better to, to kind of tear things down. But you guys kind of came out of a, a bit of mediocrity with the pieces you would want, right? Like, and you're seeing it now. Pedersen, Demko, Hughes. The Flames do not have that. I've referenced this probably too many times. Uh, Game Over Calgary fans are going to recognize this already. But uh, Corey Pronman did, for The Athletic did his piece on, okay, what is this going to, what, what is every team going to look like five years from now? And the Flames top line five years from now is Huberto uh, at center, question mark, and at the other wing, question mark. That's where we're at right now. We don't have the, our foundation is, I don't know. So that's that, that's where the flames are at right now. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Really. I just physically winced. That yeah. is, <laughs> that's painful. Yeah, I will say that for oh man, I for however incompetent I actually think the Jim Benning regime was, he managed to land like some really good core pieces. Yeah. And I, you know, we don't need to, I think that's what Canucks fans have been debating for the last five years is who's, whose picks were those actually. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. That's, that's who you have. The issue is always the rest of the team. And I, it, it's, it's really interesting to see how with just over, just over one season of competent management, <laughs> they look like a significantly different team. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is night and day from what we saw from the Canucks last year. And like you're seeing it every game. We just kind of pop in every now and then. But yeah, that it is this looks nothing like what we've seen from the last few years from from the Canucks. Yeah, they look like a totally different team and I know it it's got to be some combination of Tockett and 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 the new structure that they've brought in, but it's just incredible. Somebody I I will say somebody asked me today if I was willing to give Alvin an A yet and I I don't know that I'm quite there. Um, you know, it's we're a third of the way through the season, I guess maybe almost halfway. But I think part of the part of it is he looks so good compared to what we had for the last eight years that it definitely looks like an A, but I, I'm going to reserve my judgment. Well, well he's going to give you a lot more chances to, to grade him because if, if the, the early season activity is any indication, he's going to have like 15 more trades between now and, and the deadline. Uh, fingers crossed. And you know what? He seems to actually 
want to generate some cap space, which is something I'm totally unfamiliar with. <laughs> yeah, that's that seems new. I, I would love that here, although the, the Flames did do that, um, as you guys are aware, with that that move this week. Uh, the chat is going off tonight. You guys are great. Uh, Canuck Clay is in there talking uh, some Canucks, as always. Uh, so keep the chats coming. While you're in there, you may as well like and subscribe. It's like a couple clicks away. It's like right there. Um, the, the SDPN YouTube channel is close to 100,000 subscribers. I've heard that's awesome. I've never been a part of any Thing that gets there. So I've heard it's great. You should me let either. me find out what that is. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's keep this going. And if you miss any of this, uh, it's available in podcast form after, or the video just stays up on YouTube. That is literally how this website works. Um, I I've, I feel like I've kind of veered off into to big picture stuff, but I, I said to you before we came on, my entire analysis of this game is the Canucks were awesome and the Flames weren't. So I, like, th there's a couple of things from this game that, that I think we could kind of maybe look at a, a little bit more from a, a Vancouver perspective. Is there anything from this one before we take a more bigger picture look at things that uh, kind of jumped out of um, jumped out of this game for you? Um, I think for me, a couple of ongoing storylines that I noticed is um, Connor Garland continues to be snake bitten, but I thought he actually had a pretty good game. I haven't been the biggest fan of Connor Garland um, for various reasons, mostly related to his contract. Um, <laughs> but I, I thought the last couple of games more so than at any other point of the season, he's actually started to show flashes of the player who, who earned that contract. Um, and, you know, notwithstanding that he can't seem to score to save his life. Um, I, I thought he was good. I don't, I don't know what you thought. I don't know if you noticed him at all today. Yeah, he had that. There was that run, one rush chance he had. I think it was the the second period where he just like deked the entire Flames and, and got an opportunity. It's like okay, I can see you, you can kind of see it because yeah, he has always struck me as just like middle six dude who happened to score a bunch once, and he has kind of ridden that. And I like when he the the trade demand came up at the beginning of the year. I was like, cool man, that's great for you that you want to be somewhere else. I don't know how many people want that contract right now, but it does seem like that one's kind of cooled off a little bit. Now, we've been under the water out here with trade demands coming from all over the place, but um, the, it seems like that the Connor Garland situation has kind of quieted down. It's, it's funny how winning helps that sort of a thing, hey? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> who doesn't who doesn't want to win? Um, I was a bit surprised when that when that trade demand came at the start of the year, mostly because, I, I mean, I thought that when he signed the contract, I kind of thought this is, it's a risky contract, but he had been good at that point. I was a big proponent of trading Connor Garland before they signed that contract. Like he, right. this is the one thing that I feel like the Canucks have not done well. I mean, sorry, not the one thing, one of many things that they did not do well <laughs> over the last couple of seasons. Um, But maybe something that they've, that's continued under the, the Alvin regime is that they have a tendency to hang on to players longer than they should like they they buy into their own players a little too much um and i i know you know you obviously want management to believe in your team but i think sometimes they take players who clearly are outperforming what their realistic expectations are and instead of trading high they just kind of double down and it's it's bitten them so many times and that's just another you know for me the two standouts and that's in that scenario are, are garland and kuzmenko like those are players that you could have traded high and gotten some really good assets back and and didn't and now they have contracts that are that make them essentially untradeable yeah 
Yeah, like you're kind of paying them for their best case scenario, and you're not yeah. necessarily always getting that. Um, Kuzmenko was one I wanted to, to ask about. Um, he was healthy scratch for a couple of games there. Obviously wasn't tonight, and at least on the power play, um, which, holy shit, that power play looks good. Um, but the like Kuzmenko, a couple chances in tight. It felt like he was playing a, a bit better, but I'm looking at this as someone who literally wasn't playing a couple of games ago. Uh, what did you make of, of Kuzmenko, and, and has that message been sent to him now? I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that message has been sent. I mean, he that's kind of what he's been like this whole season, and it's been one thing that I think Talkit has done really well is his ice time and his play aligns directly with how he's performing. You know, like he has, he has a couple of bad shifts. He's stapled to the bench. He has some bad games. He's healthy scratched. And that's not something that happened in, in his first few seasons. And it never really lined up, but it it's still an ongoing thing, right? It's, there doesn't seem to be a level of consistently good play from him. And so it's, it's good to see when he's on, he's really fun and he's great to watch but we need to see that every game. It, it, he can't just be getting benched or healthy scratched regularly. Right. Uh, another player I want to ask about, and again, if for Vancouver people, if this is doubling up, I apologize, but I just like to know. Um, JT Miller, uh, obviously a rather polarizing fellow and um, not so... Like, I wouldn't want to host a podcast with the dude, but uh, from a, a, a on-the-ice hockey standpoint feels like maybe it's a little bit better and not as, oh my God, this is a disaster as it's been in the past. Um, but how has JT Miller fit in with things as this Canuck team has become one of the best in the Pacific Division, if not the entire Western Conference? Yeah, I think um, I was fairly critical of JT Miller last year for for various reasons, primarily because he was defensively atrocious last year. Um, <laughs> I thought he was sloppy defensively. I thought he did not take accountability for it. Um and there were a lot of things to complain about. Um, I was also, I, I'll be open. I thought that, I thought the contract was a bit much. I thought the trade was a bit much. He's been, you know what? He's he's proved that trade worth it. I think that's, I think that's fair to say. Um, but I will say he's been excellent this season in my, mm. in my books. Um, I think he's, he's been, you know, he's never going to be, that defensively responsible but he's at least putting in the, putting in the effort this year um <laughs> he's he's performing the way i would expect him to perform to earn the contract he has we'll see if he's still doing that when he's like 35 <laughs> i mean that's that's the real issue <laughs> yeah. that's always been the real issue with the contract but yeah. I, I thought he's i think he's been very very good this season i think that he's really quieted down the naysayers a lot yeah, yeah, it, it feels like there's a lot less of that coming from out west. Uh, the, the discussions around him. Um, the obviously, you guys make a move this week with us. It was great. Um, do you think the the Canucks are done? Because um, if not, like, still got a couple defensemen and a, a first line center who's playing like a third line center out here in Calgary that you you guys could just have uh, just a couple first round picks and some young players and and they're yours. Uh, so, it, it, do you we, think we're that just gonna flip the Flames, our guy? campaign yes yeah 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 taking all the canucks yeah yeah we're just gonna flip it back i mean like we took the color scheme too with the, the blasty jersey but um yeah if you want one of them back like tanev's right there if if you want to reunite that but yeah like do you obviously um a, a team with rutherford is never done trading but yeah. do you think that in terms of like act like big 
effective moves. Do you, do you think that this that this Canucks team is done? I think it's it's a bit hard to say, right? Like they've got a good thing going, it's working, but they also could stand to still upgrade that blue line. It's I don't I don't know what moves are available out there. Um I think that they'll I think they'll try to do it because I think frankly at this point notwithstanding that this is the first season that I think they are actually real contenders for a playoff spot and I I by no means think that they are going to be real cup contenders other other than the anything can happen if you get in strategy um if <laughs> if we can call it that Well we've tried to out here for 20 years so Oh I, well I, so, yeah. so have we yeah. so have we <laughs> yeah. um but I do think that, you know, Pedersen, Hughes, Besser, they're all kind of like entering their prime right in their prime. Their, their window to win now with those players is kind of like they're in it. They've wasted the first few years of that window struggling. And so if they want to make runs, they kind of have to make the big moves to make this a roster that can go on a run now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not... They're not at a point where, as much as I would have liked Bedard, and I think that would have obviously been a game changer, they can't just have, like, four or five top ten picks in the next few years. Like, be terrible, get some top picks. Because by the time those players are ready, Patterson, Besser, Hughes will be out of their window. JT Miller will be aged out. So if they want to do anything, they kind of have to do it now. So I think they have to keep making moves. Yeah, it does kind of feel like while they have kind of screwed things up around Pedersen and those guys spectacularly in almost comedic fashion, um, but I, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, I know. Um, but like, it, it kind of feels like, okay, well now, now you kind of got to go, right? Like the, the Pedersen is going to be quite a bit more expensive next season, I would imagine. That's That's the real concern, right? If you make any trade you make right now, can't eat into whatever cap space you need to pay Elias Patterson. Right. And that's what I said when they signed him to a bridge deal was, you know, everyone, there were a lot of fans here who said they don't have cap issues. They managed to sign him. The point was they couldn't afford to sign him to a long-term contract and they were not good enough to convince him to sign a long-term contract. And yeah. so now you're in the unfortunate position of now that you're finally good, he's on an expiring contract. He's having a career season. He's been unbelievable the market rates have gone up incredibly and you are going to have to pay him way more for the next few years than you would have if you signed him to a long-term contract earlier on. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's going to be, but I mean, they're, they're not totally sold on him. So we'll, we'll see how, uh, see how that goes. That was... that is, that has to be top five stupidest quotes of this entire season. And this season has been a doozy. Uh, but yeah, that, that's, that, that is certainly up there that that is. And I know uh, other people are talking about it. That just screams, Oh well, I didn't want to go out with you anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Like that—that that is me. You can't. You can't fire me. I quit. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. If the, the the Canucks were to go out and make a, another couple moves, I know I joked about what the, the Flames have available. What do you think is a, a position of need? It does kind of feel like the Zadorov move, at least for now, kind of settled things where they need on the blue line. So we'll be looking to the the forward group to to address with Vancouver. Honestly, I don't. This is maybe the first time in a long time I can't think of an obvious move that they need to make. Um, okay. They've, I, I think, I think actually getting rid of Beauvillier has opened up opportunities for players like Hoaglander to have to have more ice time and to show what they've got. I think he's been good. I think he's up to the task. Um, and I think they can stand pat for a little bit before they see 
what else they need. I'm not convinced that that blue line is good enough, particularly for a playoff run. Like if they, you know, Susie coming, whether or not Carson Susie is in the lineup makes a drastic difference in what that blue line looks like. Mm -hmm. And in an ideal world, if you're going to go far, you need to be like Colorado the year they won, where you can lose like half your blue line and you still have a serviceable NHL defense court. They don't have that. Like if they lose one more guy, that blue line is a shambles. Yeah. So to me, the blue line remains the main area of priority, but that's also the hardest piece in the league to put together. Right. Yeah. When you look at team needs, uh, anyone who's contending is, oh, blue line depth, right? Um, And like I... Um, used to host a show out here, uh, along with, with Rhett Warner and what he talked about, Oh, four, the, the run that, um, was great here in Calgary, but has also ruined expectations for forever now. But, uh, he talked about like that when they, by the time they got to the cup, it was like him Regeer, And then you'd have to introduce yourself to guys coming in. Like just the playoffs are a grind. It, it takes a lot to get to that point where you're lifting the shiny thing over your head at the end. So like you, you kind of need as much NHL ready depth as you can possibly have, especially on the blue line. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just not going to happen with a team who has to regularly play Noah Jolson. Right. I was going to ask, um, that seemed like too much of him tonight. And I, like, I, I understand he's a BC kid, so I don't want to. I've had too much of him most nights. (laughs) Okay. I know that's really awful, but he's, he's just, he's not, he's not doing it for me. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad we're on the same page on that. Cause yeah, I was watching him tonight. (laughs) Seems like he's out there more than I would feel comfortable rolling yeah. him out there. Um, yeah. You talked about opportunities that have opened up, and just to kind of tie it back into tonight's game, um, Lafferty getting a, a chance with Pedersen and, and Mikheyev out there on what I, I I would call a first line. I think Elias yeah. Pedersen, you know, a, could be a heart candidate, so I'll call that a first line. Um, I, I thought, like, that was one where he filled in really great w- with them tonight. Um, but what are your thoughts watching that line kind of mesh together over this game? Yeah, I thought I thought he performed really well. Um, I think I think Lafferty has been a huge win in terms of a trade for the Canucks. Um, and ended, he's ended up being much better than I thought he would be. Um, that's a line where, you know, when the season started, it was Patterson, Kuzmenko, Mikhaev was injured. Um, I thought Mikhaev coming back really gave that line some speed. Um, Man, he can fly. Took them to. Yeah, he's oh. he's really like he adds a level to that that line that doesn't otherwise exist exist. Um, and it's interesting that Lafferty's the one who gets the chance to step up there um, when when Kuzmenko's not playing. I'd also love to see Nils Hoglander up there. Um, I think he's I, I just I'm a big Hoglander fan. I think he he's smart. He's quick. He's and I, I think he just excels in kind of a top six position. And I'd love to see more of him. Yeah, he's one because um, I, I I have felt that while I do think a rebuild should be coming for the Flames, it probably isn't, and it's going to be more retool like they did with a, a Toffoli trade where they get Sharon Govich back. Um, and I, I was kind of looking at what would be the comparable on the Canucks, and Clay and I talked about it the last time we did one of these. Um, Hoagliner would be at the top of my my wish list. I like it, it. It seems like we've been seeing clips of him since YouTube started. Like it feels like he's just been around for forever because we've been seeing prospect videos on this kid for a while. But it does seem like he's starting to find his sea legs a little bit now in the NHL. Yeah, and I. You know, I, I don't have a lot more to add other than that. I want, I want to see more of him. I think the yeah. more he plays, I'm a, I'm a big believer. And obviously the more, the more ice time he gets, the more confident he's going to be. And, you know, giving him those chances can only be a good thing. 
Uh, all right, the, like I said, the chat has been going off tonight, uh, and now it is time for you guys to have your say. Ask your questions here in the presser. Uh, while you are doing that, I will remind you again, like this video, subscribe to the channel. Uh, there is so much great stuff here on SDPN, so uh, why not subscribe? Um, and again, if you've missed any of this, it's available in podcast form. It's a great way to catch up on all of the Canadian teams throughout, uh, throughout the National Hockey League. Um, just quickly here, we have Conrad, a regular on, on Game Over Calgary chats, uh, saying, yes, Peter, Murray Edwards still owns the team. No rebuild for us. That is, that is where this is, um, it's been a really weird conversation around this team this year, because obviously there are a lot of pieces that are going to be going out the door and most of the fan base, if not all the fan base is like, yeah, tear this thing down. But there's always this thing, like I've been covering this team for 11 years, I know that ain't happening. If it does, it's the first time it's going to happen. So it's like, yeah, re-tool. Uh, like it's, I, I just, I, I genuinely don't see a rebuild happening here. I think it is going to try to be retooling on the fly here. I think for whatever reason, NHL front offices are deathly afraid of rebuilding. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't, I think it's a, I think it's a consistent disrespect for the level of knowledge and patience in fans um i think for whatever reason ownership gms tend to think fans can't tolerate a rebuild when i think the reality is if you can communicate what the rebuilding plan is clearly and follow it most fans will actually deal with that you know it sucks for a couple of seasons but if you do it right people get it and they'll get behind it it's better than being stuck in the mushy middle for a decade because right. that's when you really start to lose fans because it's I, I you know the thing I can't tolerate the most is the the idea that I that fans don't understand what t- what a rebuild takes and that a retool is actually far less likely to get you to the promised land yeah no I agree and like it, it would just it would honestly make being a fan quite a bit easier, honestly. But then, like, I, I think it makes it almost easier on the team, too, because instead of judging, like, for out here in Calgary, uh, instead of judging Pospisil or out in Vancouver, uh, uh, Kuzmenko or Pot Colson before or anything like that, um, you're judging them based on how they're improving instead of how is this team contributing to getting this team into the playoffs when that's just not realistic, right? But you listen to Game Over Montreal right now talking about Slavkoski and instead of, hey, is this guy one of the best centers in the league? It's no, is he improving? Is Caulfield improving? It, it actually takes, like, it obviously takes pressure off of your players, but I think it changes the conversation around a team entirely. And I think a fan, like a lot of fan bases are knowledgeable enough to handle that sort of a thing. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, okay, a couple more here. Um, <laughs> Avery, the mushy middle, the Detroit Red Wings story from 2011 to 2014. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you can have a mushy middle when you have that many cups. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the, the that's... Detroit, I think, built up a bit of goodwill in that area, I yeah. would say. Um, but David Leguan for a first is still an all-timer. Um, Eric Edwards... Sam, you talked about the the Canucks historically doubling down on players playing at their ceiling, like Kuzmenko and Garland. Do you think Besser should be uh, traded? He's playing at his ceiling. Uh, That one, I actually don't think quite fits into that. I think the Canucks, I think the Canucks actually have to keep Besser now having lived through the last three seasons where he was not playing at his best. Yeah. I think he's clearly been hampered the last few years by uh, injury. 
and obviously by off ice um, family issues. And I, I can't think of someone more deserving of a feel good uh, comeback story than Brock Besser this season. And I, I don't think that he's a player where this season is going to be a flash in the pan. They've already paid him a contract based on, you know, kind of underperforming years, the last few years, you might as well keep him at this point. Yeah. And I, I feel like, um, and again, this is from afar, but it feels like with Besser, he is at his ceiling in a sustainable way where yeah. Kuzmenko and Garland are at their ceiling in a, we're redlining this car and it could fall apart at any moment sort of a way. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, there was another one here that I wanted to. Uh, while I'm looking for it, Juleson makes too many bad pinches. Like, yeah, he, like he, he, he is okay, but it just he was a top four defenseman for the Canucks tonight. And that's not where he should be, I don't think, in my opinion. And I, I, I would imagine you would agree with that. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, which team is the worst rebuild in recent history? There's a bunch of them. Uh, there was this one here from Takai, uh, number one. Um, I don't want to rebuild. What if we do it wrong? Look at Edmonton wasting those generational talents. It's heartbreaking. I mean, is it heartbreaking or is it hilarious? Yes. Uh, cause like I, I would like to see McDavid, um, in, you know, the biggest moments of the sport, but it is also hilarious that it's them screwing it up. So yeah, I, yeah. I think it's deeply hilarious. Um, I can't think of another team that has had that many top picks in the last 15 years and just absolutely nothing to show for it. Yeah. And like any sport, the, the only comparable is Mike Trout and future Toronto Blue Jays Shohei Otani on the Angels not making it to the playoffs in baseball. Like it's, it is mind boggling how they've been able to screw that up. But I will say like, what, what if, what if we do it wrong from a flame standpoint, we're doing it wrong now. Like that the last couple of years haven't been going so swimmingly that we couldn't possibly change what's happening now. This is, this, aside from the last few games where they are playing a little bit better, this is not what it's supposed to look like. This is not, we're not supposed to be, oh, well now they're one for 18 on the power play, so it's fine. This, this right now, our reality that we are currently living in is going wrong from a flame standpoint. So a rebuild where those generally, uh, yes, it doesn't go great sometimes. Ottawa has been stuck in it for a little bit. Buffalo, same thing. Um, but what's happening now has such a minimal success rate where you do this the right way and it can lead you to like years and years and years of sustained playoff success. So that's my mini rant on that. Yeah, I, I mean, my, my yeah, my answer to that is as opposed to rebuilding wrong as opposed to what retooling on the fly for eight years. Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Yeah, it the means... last eight years of my life as a Canucks fan have been atrocious. I don't think I could say it's been worse than the Oilers. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, yeah, you, you try to retool and then in Calgary, you sign Owen Nolan and Tony Amante. Um, significantly post Apex, I will say. Um, Canuck Clay talking about why ownership doesn't go for uh, rebuilds. Owners, uh, management aren't patient enough for rebuilds. I do think there is something to like... Sports is one of the only areas where I think you do that sort of a thing, right? Like I've, I, I've worked in radio my whole life, so business isn't a strong suit of mine, but I like, I, I don't know if there are any businesses that kind of go like, okay, you know what? 
our numbers for Q2 aren't great. Let's just suck for a little bit, but then we'll get right back. Like it is kind of a uniquely sports thing, but it's 2023. It's been a uniquely sports thing since like the seventies. Like we, we've had a long run where you can kind of figure this out now. Yeah. And you know, I don't know that you can look at any of the teams who have been truly successful cup contenders in kind of the last 20 years and not see the drastic rebuilds where they have been absolute garbage for a few seasons and then emerged as really good teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, da, 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 da. There was another one here. I am so bad at keeping track of this one. Like, I want to I see mean, what's chat, happening. The now. chat is hopping, so yeah, to scroll back up. Yeah, no, it, and like, I, I don't want to miss anything, but... Yeah, there's a, a lot going on in here. You guys are great tonight. Someone is saying that we're jealous of the Oilers. I promise you we're not. Um, I, I I assure you, no. I I don't I don't I don't watch Zach every night on Game Over Edmonton and be like, oh man, I wish I was that. Yeah, Although Zach, Zach's a good guy. Really dying to have Skinner over Thatcher Demko. <laughs> uh now we're getting into a lot of rebuild talk or anything like that avery uh i'm graying at 30 and i blame ken holland that's fair yeah that's it's not ken holland it's the well done steak avery <laughs> they're also while avery that is one of the worst takes and i had to i i brought him on calgary radio specifically so he could say that um to to a, a nation of beef lovers out here in alberta <laughs> um but there were some atrocious jersey takes in the game over chat tonight i'm not going to expose everyone but um that that was that that was ridiculous so some of those in my opinion and i i don't want to get this too far off of the rails here um every canucks flames game should look like like 89 to 93 where you guys got the skate going we got the retro jerseys and it should just look like that same thing with the oilers while i love i love me some blasty the every one of these games should look like 80s or 90s games I do love Blasty. I Thank you. am you are really correct. bitter that you guys stole the color scheme. Although I will say the Canucks unveiled their um, First Nations Night jersey and it is gorgeous. Like it is, they're using the Grizzlies colors mm-hmm. on, on the Orca logo and it looks sick. And I want them to make that the full-time jersey. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you got to see much of the, the pregame, but um, it, it was Indigenous Night at, at the Dome. And I thought, um, I, I meant to mention this earlier, I thought the Flames killed it. Um, that they, they had the, the anthem um, sung in Blackfoot. Um, the, the Rene Bork came out with the, uh, the, the jersey that they wore last year. Um, I, I thought tens across the board for the, the Flames in, in that sense. And if one team does do those things really well the last little while, the Canucks... While we can comment on how they have managed things on the ice, um, those sorts of things, like the, the Pride Night stuff was phenomenal. Um, yeah. the, the, Canucks the Canucks have been have, excellent at that. The Canucks have, the one thing that they have actually knocked out of the park consistently for probably four or five years now are all of the the special theme nights. Um, they've just done an incredible job, I think, kind of consulting the community and you know, I know the the Lunar New Year's nights, the Diwali nights, they're all things that the broader community looks forward to. It's really generated a lot of interest from kind of different segments of fans. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's it was one of the things that pissed me off the most about the way the league handled those nights this season is that for teams where they had actually done a stellar job the last few years, it's it sucks. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like it felt like Calgary was kind of getting into that too, and like taking yeah. the right approaches to who to to ask about these things and all of that. Like, yeah, it's. I mean that that is a whole other thing, and I, I know you you have covered that subject quite extensively on on other platforms. Um, but yeah, just an absolute fumbling by the NHL at the like highest level for sure. Um, now people are just yelling at each other in the um in the comments which like i i seem to bring that out of people so i will absolutely okay i have a question for you yes okay what did you think of the calgary flames doing a tribute to zadarov because i thought that was really weird i thought it was really weird too um and we've had a few of those where the crowd is booing someone every time they touch the puck but then they get a video tribute it's oh hey look at we love you boo again like I, again, all due respect to Nikita Zadorov and, and his wonderful accomplishments in a year plus with the Calgary Flames. That At no point did I think, man, this guy's getting a video tribute, like, or yeah. or any kind of anything. Like, you can, you can just have him not be there anymore. It doesn't have to be a video thing every time. Like, he, I want to know who the worst player in the NHL to get a, a video tribute is. Oh, I like that. Um, And if, if it's not him, he has to be close. Right. Like, because yeah. it's that that's that is utterly insane. But this is also a, a fan base that, as we've talked about, we haven't had a lot to cheer about in the last my entire lifetime. So um, like th- there are people who legitimately want to build a statue for Mark Giordano, who great captain of the Calgary Flames, won Uno playoff series in his time here. So pe- people are willing to celebrate anything because we haven't had a whole lot to celebrate here. Yeah, that's fair. You know, at least at least you do have a cup. Yes. Yeah, that did happen six months before I was born. But yes, at, at least at least the, they, they do have a Stanley Cup. <laughs> Someone just said, why are we yelling at each other in the chat? Um, all right. On on the tribute one, Columbus doing a tribute for Jonathan Quick is one of the greatest things I've ever seen yeah. ever. Yeah. I love it when teams just get it, you know, and they, they seem to just on the ice, not at all, but off the oh, ice, no. they, they seem to get it quite yeah. a bit. Uh, the tributes to soften, uh, soften those players up so they don't light us up. Well, he scored the winner tonight, so a mission not accomplished on that one. Uh, now we're getting into video, uh, tributes. I think this is a pretty good place to call it here. Um, but yeah, th- this was, this was a blast. Um, I, I have, um, just personally appreciated your work for a long time. So getting to, to chat with you has been awesome. And, uh, I apologize. I've been so scatterbrained tonight, but this was kind of a, a wild game, especially at the end there where it looked like the flames might tie it up after falling down two goals with a minute left. This is, you know, I, I don't think you've been scatterbrained. This is my favorite kind of like wild recap. It's the way <laughs> well, to good. do it. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm happy you say that. Um, for everyone from the, the Calgary side uh, who may want to, to follow you on social media, how can they do that? Uh, you can follow me at SamanthaCP underscore on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it. Um, I'm super annoying on it, so don't recommend. <laughs> um, I, I would recommend because I, I tend to not be one of the people who uh, thinks that engaging with you in a um, combative manner is a smart way to go about things. So I just sit back with the popcorn and enjoy. Well, I'm glad someone's enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, you can find me on, on, on Twitter. I still call it Twitter. Um, because so 
uh, old habits die hard. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, I am at PrimetimeKlein. Uh, one more time, like this video, subscribe to the channel. There's a lot of great stuff. The Canucks are going to have, I, I think, a pretty good run here the next little while. And, well, we might have trades to talk about on Game Over Calgary. So, subscribe for both of those. Uh, thank you all so much for hanging out with us late on a Saturday night. And we will talk to all of you later.